0: Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Well, as we dive in, I heard um, Jess and Jesse talking about this event that happened in 1940 in France. Uh, As you may be aware, the Nazis had overrun France and most, most of Europe at this time and were beginning to kind of corner the allied forces in this northern town in France called Dunkirk. So there was no hope for rescue. I mean, it was like, if you saw the map, it was like, they were sitting ducks on this beach plus you know the Nazi planes were f- flying over and dropping bombs and I mean it, it was really bad they didn't have enough boats to get the men off the beach it was looking very bleak meanwhile Winston Churchill is preparing and trying to defend Britain from a, a threat from the Nazis and so therefore he was marshalling many of their forces in England and so A lot of the resources that might have been there to help were not available. But on Friday, May 24th, Hitler issues this baffling order to his generals, essentially stopping the assault. Just stopped it, called it off. I mean, the German tank division was less than 10 miles away from Dunkirk when this took place. On top of that, the city kind of gets enveloped in this weird mist, this cloud, this fog, smoke, obviously, from the fighting. Uh, it kind of settles over this, this area. And so therefore the planes that were flying couldn't necessarily see where they were. So they couldn't bomb and they couldn't shoot the allied forces on the beach the way they had been or the, or the boats, those kind of things. Even stranger, the English Channel, which is kind of notorious for being like really big swells and windy, really choppy water, just a, a atrocious place to take a boat, for some reason during these three days settled and became really calm. Um, some historians call it like bath water. <laughs> it was so still. You know, the strange series of phenomena make it made it possible for hundreds and hundreds of civilian boats, mostly English civilian boats to come across the channel and help uh, get all of these allied forces off of this beach. You know, I kind of watched this story in Christopher, Christopher Nolan's movie called Dunkirk, which was released recently, a couple years ago. It was so good, you know, but what's not in that film is that on Friday, May 24th, King George, upon hearing the dire situation that the Allied forces were in, and knowing they kind of couldn't do much about it because they were marshaling their troops in a certain way, called for a national day of prayer and fasting among all of Britain. Tens and thousands of people were lining up to get into Westminster Abbey just to spend a moment of prayer over this situation this felt dire you know in a in a time when they didn't feel like there was much they could do one thing the nation could do was pray and fast and King George called them to this moment you know and it was just hours into that day on the 24th of this day of prayer and fasting that Hitler had given that order to stop the tanks to stop the invasion on Dunkirk you know, today we call it the story of Dunkirk or the rescue at Dunkirk, but that generation correctly knew this as the miracle at Dunkirk. You know, the outcome arguably saved the whole of England and much of Europe, the Western world as we know it today. You know, so we can look at this and we can consider is this a coincidence or is this a miracle? Were these odd cascading events a result of God's response to a nation rallied in prayer and fasting? Or was it just really bad planning on the Nazi's army's behalf? You know, was it just a coincidence? You know, I guess it's hard to say. But for we, people of faith, I think we feel something about this, don't we? And there's one thing we can be certain of. That all throughout the library of scripture, and even all throughout history, we see prayer and fasting going hand in hand and having miraculous results. Yeah, you can pray without fasting, and you can fast without praying, but when you combine the two, it's like there's this reaction that takes place. Something happens in power. We can't explain it but something happens in power. So today, as we're discussing in our series on fasting, we're continuing, we're discussing the idea of fasting to amplify our prayers before God. You'll remember over the last two weeks, two weeks ago, we talked about fasting first and foremost is a way to prepare and to open ourselves to God, to present ourselves to God. How we grow in communion and union with God. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Last week, we discussed how fasting is a means to grow in holiness. In other words, it's a way for us to work with the Holy Spirit in that work that he's doing in our bodies. We talked about the Soma, the mind, body, spirit, how we're fighting with the body, for the body, and how the work of the Spirit helps refine that sarks, that sinful nature that's in us. As we continue this week on fasting, we discuss this idea of fasting to amplify our prayers. But first, we need, need to kind of begin by understanding what prayer is. I think we kind of have this in general, this idea, but prayer is this umbrella term. It's any of the means by which we communicate, we spend time with the Lord oftentimes we think of prayer as us verbally saying all the words right it's a one-sided conversation in that case prayer is communion its relationship with God and you can break prayer down into two categories I think we talked about this last month as we talked about practicing the 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 work of prayer but prayer in two categories are listening to God and speaking to God of course that's general we can be with God and all the kind of things but Here's here's what we're gonna do today. Fasting, you know, brings power to this practice of prayer. And it amplifies both God's voice in the many and varied forms that it reaches us. But it also amplifies our voice to God. So put another way, fasting is a way to hear God and to be heard by God. Acts chapter 13 has a story that we're gonna be using as our scripture today, and it's gonna help us kind of wrap our minds around this a bit. But as we open our hearts to the message and spend time in the word, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for you to guide us, oh God, by your word and by your spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth and find freedom. In your will, may we discover peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray, amen. Amen. Well, we'll be in Acts chapter 13, just the first couple of verses. Uh, this will be on the screens for you. Please join me, or please hear the word of the Lord. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Median, a childhood friend of Herod, the ruler, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work to which i have called them then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and sent them off this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god so notice it's as the disciples are fasting that the voice of god comes in clear direction This has been my experience. I think this has been the experience for countless other followers of Christ. You, you among them, in times of fasting, in times of waiting on God for direction, that's when I'm most likely to hear His voice. When we wait, and when we open ourselves, mind, body, and spirit, to Him. You know, in this season, in our family, it's been tough. Melissa's mom and sister have been facing some pretty rotten situations, just, you know, it's nothing too dire, but it is perplexing and it's frustrating. And in this time, a couple weeks ago, Melissa's mom sent a text message to the group, to the family saying, dad was praying before dinner and I totally felt the Holy Spirit telling me it was not time to give up, but to fight even harder. She went on to say that she would be fasting over the next few weeks and invited the family to join her. She goes on to say that by fasting, she had been able to receive peace and encouragement from God in a really rotten, tough season. You know, the family's been texting updates back and forth as you know we've been praying along with them and sharing that. And it's been so cool to see how people have just shared. Hey, I was reading or thinking or praying today and this happened you know just the insights to come you know it is amazing how when you pair fasting with your prayers how something deeper seems to happen we're able to notice and sense courage and support counsel where we weren't finding it before You know, before we continue, we're going to take a little rabbit trail because we've been talking through this season of fasting on the way fasting interacts with our bodies, our physiology in some ways. Uh, Today, I'd like to discuss some of the ways fasting affects your your brain, your neurological patterns, right? Because it has effects in the same way that fasting has on our bodies. So studies have demonstrated that fasting increases the flow of blood to your brain It's working less in your gut and moves up to your head. And so therefore you start to become more alert, more aware, you have more thought patterns. Uh, It causes, um, as that blood leaves your digestive system, it kind of wakes you up, perks you up. You know, you think of when you eat that huge meal after a holiday and that nap that's just coming, it's gonna take you out. You're just a victim to it, right? That's what happens when you eat, you know, your body works to digest your food. It also increases your neuroplasticity, the ability of your brain to kind of make new connections, new ideas. Fasting is shown to decrease the neurotransmitters that signal anxiety or depression and increase those that elevate calm and a sense of well-being. It's also been proven to increase what doctors call your interoception, interoception, which is your ability to accurately notice what's happening inside your body, inside your, inside your mind. It just helps you to become aware. It's even been shown in many studies to arrest or sometimes even reverse those effects of mind illnesses and diseases. So it comes as no surprise, as we've been saying, that fasting is not just a Christian concept. Fasting has become uh, used in many, not only other religions, but in many just health focuses. You know, the craze of intermittent fasting that's so popular these days as a health choice, as even a weight choice. You know, but it's also, fasting is also practiced oftentimes by many writers or intellectuals or songwriters, those kinds of things. Whether they're thinking about it or not, maybe they're just focused in on their work so much they're not eating, but you tend to do your best work when you're fasting. So now to repeat, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. If you're new to fasting, likely when you begin fasting, it's gonna feel really rotten. (laughs) You're gonna, uh, it's gonna, your body has to get used to this cycle. It can uh, become difficult. But if you stay with the practice and make it a regular part of your rule of life, especially part of your rule of prayer, your body will adapt. And when you fast, you will start to feel calm, but also highly alert and in tune to what God is doing and saying. So, fasting to hear God. You can see, you can see how easily you can put your mind and body into a state in which you're open to hearing God's voice. Plus, you've you know, probably noticed those days when you fasted, how it does free up time. It gives you opportunity to be with the Lord in ways you might not have otherwise. You know, one of the first things you may realize on, on a fast day is how you have those few extra minutes. You know, even for me in the morning, knowing I have to prepare lunch, you know, that takes a little bit of extra work and it work, it's two minutes, right? But what a change in the mindset. Oh, I don't have to pack a lunch today. I can just get my coffee and go. It's so different and same for, uh, you know, that time you take out uh, during your lunch break. Anyway. Um, Priscilla Schreier, a, a, a popular Christian writer and Christian speaker, she says this of her practice of fasting. I'm able to gain perspective on how unbalanced is the amount of time, energy, and effort that I put into my body and instead put it into my spirit. When we choose to sacrifice a need of the body to place more importance on a need of the spirit, God himself sits up and takes notice. The heavens are open to us in a way that might not otherwise have been true. And I think she's hitting on a really key insight here. Not only does fasting put us in an ideal position to listen, but it also puts God on alert. That, wow, this person's serious. This person is investing in me. It puts God in this ideal situation to speak to us. Not only is our mind attentive, but we're humble, we're hungry, we're seeking God. As we mentioned a few weeks ago during our practice on prayer, the idea of listening to God and how we open our hearts to be listening to God, a prerequisite is this, that we need to be willing to listen. We need to be willing to hear. In other words, we need to have a a humble, contrite, open heart and spirit to God. Otherwise, why would he speak? if we're not gonna listen anyway. Fasting is another way to help with this. There's a few stories from scripture that I love the way it kind of reveals this for us. One comes from Joel, chapter two, 12 through 15. It says, "'Yet even now,' says the Lord, "'return to me with all of your heart, "'with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. "'Rend your hearts and not your clothing. "'Return to the Lord your God, "'for he is gracious and merciful.'" slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. It says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and mourning. And again, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah to his people. Jeremiah twenty-nine twelve. it says, then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where you have been driven out, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place which I sent you from. You will call upon me when you come and pray and I will listen. You will seek me with all of your heart and I will find you. Jeremiah doesn't mention specifically the act of fasting, but he uses this same phrase that we see in other parts of our scripture with all of your hearts. We've been learning during this season that God is calling our soma, right? Our mind, our spirit, and our body. Again, it comes as no surprise that all throughout scripture and Christian history, there are stories of people fasting to hear God's voice and direction. And what the New Testament calls, seeking God for discernment, to understand his will for our lives. When we are facing a major decision, especially in situations where we just don't know what to do, maybe we just, we're of two minds perhaps, it's hard to know, one of the best things you can do is set aside a few days for prayer and fasting. You know, if possible, take time in silence and solitude. Go on a retreat. Get away from the schedule for a day or two. But I know that's not always possible. You know, whether it's work or parenting or all those other life circumstances. You know, perhaps, perhaps just getting up a few minutes early. Spending time that you might have otherwise eating breakfast and sit with the Lord. As you pray and fast and seek God earnestly for discernment, it'll come. It'll come, you know, praying the way the psalmist prays in Psalm 143, show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. A simple prayer like that sets the stage. This discipline of fasting and listening for God's voice is part of a larger movement of of the spiritual journey, of discerning how God wants us to live, how God wants us to move in and among our world. It helps us move away from what's good and wise in this personal decision to what is God's will for my life. Which is part of an even deeper movement in the spiritual journey from controlling the things that we can control, trying to wrap our hands around the things that we can wrap our hands around and instead surrendering those to God, asking God to be in control. Fasting is a discipline by which we open our mind, our body, our spirit, to God's spirit, to facilitate these essential movements that are at work deep inside of us. But it's not just so that we can hear God, it's also to be heard by God. And maybe this is one of the most mysterious aspects of fasting there is. But God hears our prayers. We believe God hears all of our prayers. So why is it when we fast, it seems like God really hears our prayers? What's happening when that happens? Let's look again at Acts chapter 13. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They fasted to hear, but also to be heard. This is one of the primary reasons why we fast. This is one of the primary reasons why we pair fasting and prayer together as God said to the prophet Isaiah, for your voice to be heard on high, or translated in another way, to make our voice heard in heaven. Do you ever feel stuck in your prayers? Like maybe they're just not doing anything. They're not doing it for you, and they don't seem to really be making much effect in in your life. Like there's this chasm between you and God, or perhaps there's just some unknown thing between God's power, which you know is there to interact with your life situations, but something seems to be happening. Teacher Tony Evans says, fasting helps us activate God's power. To break through, or as our Pentecostal or our charismatic brothers and sisters might say to pray through those difficult situations in our lives. You know, we, we pair fasting and prayer together. Now, you have to be careful here, and I hope you hear my heart. Fasting is not like this hunger strike that we're going on in order to change God's mind or to sway God. You know, we're not Gandhi up against a British empire here. We're sons and daughters of a living loving God and yet all throughout scripture prayer and fasting are paired together and we often see that it changes the course of events Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen: find me when you seek me with all of your hearts there's something about seeking and finding that God really seems to find value in you know there's a lot of mystery but scripture tells us then when we add fasting to our prayers, there's a higher correlation between those requests and the release of God's power. It doesn't tell us why in scripture, at least not clearly. And different streams of the church have uh, tried to put different meanings on why this may happen. But here's the one I like, here's my take on this. Why does fasting matter in terms of our prayers? Here's this theory. It's because God is relational. It's because God is a relational God. He desires for us to be in relationship with him. His ultimate aim is to draw us into the inner life with the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And prayer with fasting takes us deeper into union with God. As we said in the last session, It burns away whatever is creating relational distance between us and God. No matter what your take is, it can't be denied that all throughout Scripture, God responds to prayer and fasting. We mentioned this story last or two weeks ago when we introduced this series on fasting, but the story from Jonah. And I'd like us to look at a couple of verses here again. This is Jonah 3. Verses three through 10. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city. Three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed nor shall they drink water humans and animals shall be covered with sackcloth and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from their violence that is in their hands. Who knows, God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil, evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God changed his mind. We like to think that God is like unchanging. He's, he, you know, in other words, he's got everything set in place and that's, that's it. There's no changing that. But is it okay for God to change his mind? There's a play on words here in this passage, in the translation from the Hebrew that's a little bit lost in the English language, but in the closing lines there, the phrase, turn from their evil ways, and then the phrase, God relented, it's the same word, Nahem in Hebrew. I don't know if I'm saying that right. There's probably a (laughs) Nahem in there, but it means to relent to change to repent the text literally reads like this when god saw that the people nehem he nehem what does it mean for god to nehem a word translated as repent arthur wallace the author of the book that we've been recommending in your sermon notes there god's chosen fast he says it like this because man repents in respect to sin. God repents in respect to judgment. Man's change of heart makes it morally possible for God to behave differently towards him, yet allowing God to be consistent in his holy character of not being able to admonish sins. We often mistakenly assume that God is going to do what God's going to do no matter what we have, no matter what part we play in it, whether we pray or not. But the pattern that we read all throughout scripture is that when God's people pray, and especially when they fast, he responds in new and unique ways. Why is this? I think it's because God is relational. That God is allowed to change his mind in relation to us. I think that's good news. I think one thing that doesn't change in God's mind is that his mind is made up about us. And the news is good. God loves you. Nothing will change that fact. And then as we seek and approach God in humbleness, as the spirit works in our bodies, in our soma, then we can become more and more like him through the refining work of the spirit in our lives. This is why we're here. This is why we exist, to be found in relationship with our creator and to partner with him in the work of his kingdom on earth. Jonah is just one such story where we see this truth coming to play, but there's so many stories like it. King Jehoshaphat, Esther, the church at Antioch and more. All that to say, when it comes to hearing and to being heard by God, not only is fasting an aid to prayer, it's an amplifier to prayer. And it's a powerful one. But remember, the end goal of prayer is ultimately not to get what we want out of God, but to get God himself. to become more and more in union, in unity, with his spirit, with his nature, with his presence in earth. It's to experience the love of the Father and and the Son and the Holy Spirit in us, and to speak back in return our love for him, and then to partner with him in that love for our world. So, when you need to hear God, when you need to be heard by God, when you feel like you just need discernment, you need direction, we invite you to pair fasting with your prayers. Inside your sermon notes, there's some details on how you might participate in a fast. Whether it's a single day, whether it's from food, whether it's from some other activity or something else that is a normal part of your lives, there's instructions in there. We would love to invite you to to fast at some point during this coming week and just open yourself to God. As you do so, please read through those details, that'll help you. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your love for us, and God, thank you that you are relational. God, thank you that, Lord, you approach us in the same way that we approach you. You're not this rigid, unmoving, uh, hard, cold rock, but Lord, you are relational, as we see through the character of Jesus and as we experience in our devotion in our lives to you. God, as we continue to seek you and as we continue to face the challenges of our lives, you know, whether it's going back to school or changing careers or changing your house or whatever it is, God, we pray that as we devote ourselves to seeking you and your will for our lives, that Lord, you would respond. And God, in in small, simple ways, Lord, as we practice out, perhaps even practice out this activity of fasting, we ask that you would draw near to us in body, in mind, in spirit. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, now we'd like to gather around the Lord's table, receive the cup and the bread that he has prepared for us. For those of you joining us online, now would be a great time to Uh, gather elements that represent the body and blood of Christ so that you can join us as we receive these elements together. Open our eyes, Lord Jesus, to receive your light and to be your light. May we see you in this common bread and in our common lives, in our hunger and our fullness, in our suffering and our joys, in our waiting and in our hope, feed us also with bread unseen. Open our hearts, Lord, and fill our cups to overflowing. Prepare your table of blessing even in the presence of our enemies. And may we reflect your light to the world with compassion for the poor and passion for justice and liberation of the oppressed. Pour for us the cup of heaven. Come to the table of the Lord, you who are longing for God's face, you who are weary from the world, and you who who have fed upon the bread of sorrow, you who have quenched your thirst with tears. Come, for the Lord's table is ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. As we gather around the Lord's table, I invite you to join me in proclaiming the mystery of our faith by saying, Christ has died. Christ is risen, Christ will come again. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me.